All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. And we are here for an NBA podcast on Wednesday, big old Wednesday slate here for FanDuel and DraftKings, on a season that I want to um, basically just put down a big old question mark about some of the ownership stuff. I, we talk about this with football as well. Basketball, at times, has really had me left me head-scratching about <laughs> some, on the nightly and just sort of the nightly ownership. I think we've talked about it more on the football one than the basketball one, but it's still just the, you know, Josh Hart, 50% in cash at 4,700 on FanDuel yesterday I, off the bench. Like, I just don't get it. I, I like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, is there just, have we seen enough examples here at this point? I'm going to get, we're going to roll very quickly through game by game here because we have a hard out. But I just want to talk real quick about the ownership piece because it's not something we talk about in the basketball podcast as much. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of nuts. I don't know if it's people chasing chalk. I don't know if it's people getting information from all the same outlets, but particularly this phenomenon, this has happened a few times this season. I know it happened with the Hawks earlier this season. DeAndre Bembry has been the main target of people's affection like multiple times where we're like 60% on Bembry, huh? Okay. <laughs> and sometimes like off it's the be- like off the bench. Sometimes like it really hasn't, yeah. so... What was that? Like just off the bench too. Like there's like the, oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like right. random bench chalk is a phenomenon that is new to the year 2019, and for the most part, it works out for us. You know, sometimes I think I've re- I've done a lot of rethinking about playing bench guys for this season because I think sometimes it's you can get carried away with just never playing any bench guys, right? Like Will Barton was this way in the past. Uh, Lou Williams and Harrell might be more modern examples. Sometimes bench guys' minutes are pretty much assured, and oftentimes they're too cheap as a result of being on the bench. And so it's not that I'm strictly opposed to playing bench guys in cash, because if the value's there, the value's there. But I don't, it is sort of Twilight Zone ish to me to live in a world where there's random bench chalk that's 50% that it's not guys that we're even considering. Like that's, that is a little bit bizarre, but you know, it's a happy accident so far because the season's working out pretty well. And we are going to talk about a couple of these guys today because I think there are some examples of the guys that we can feel okay about. We're going to roll game by game here. Some of these games definitely more interesting from a DFS perspective than others. First one, Milwaukee goes in and plays Detroit Milwaukee seven point road favorites over the Pistons. 224 and a half over under. Brooke Lopez is back playing here, and they're also getting Chris Middleton back into the starting lineup. He started last, he had come off the bench for his first game or two, and then he was back in the starting lineup with Milwaukee getting fully healthy and a Pistons team that's basically probably properly priced at this point for their opportunity with Blake and Drummond back. How much value do you think we're, are we able to extract any value out of this game? Not a whole lot. I mean, Giannis is the main buck that we and most people have played so far this season. He's always going to be on the list of playable options just because sometimes punts show up and then you just have too much money left over. In uh, basketball is really the sport. Would you agree that basketball is a sport where these super cheap plays come in that just kind of throw everything off kilter? Like, yeah. you know, if you have a guy like we had Robin Lopez a few nights ago at 3,500 who scored like 37 fantasy points, like you just don't see examples like that in the other sports very often. And that means that the highest owned guys get become disproportionately played. Uh, and Giannis is certainly in that group. But since Middleton has returned, and when Middleton's been present, that really has eaten into Giannis's overall production. And at the same time, his price is still essentially at this all-time high. So I think, you know, don't want to spend too much time on a guy that we're probably not going to play. But if you're in our chat tonight and you see that Giannis isn't in the lineup, that's probably why. Yeah, 21 and 19 minutes over the last two. Uh, he's scored 50 fantasy points in the 21-minute game. The guy's cheat code stuff. It's just a matter of the minutes, and I could just see this game getting out of hand because that's what Milwaukee does. They dumpster other teams, and <laughs> Pistons are definitely a team that they could do that with, even though it's the line 
right from the outset doesn't totally suggest it. Golden State goes in and plays the Hornets. Hornets four and a half point favorites. The news and notes here are that. What, what, what do you think what, the Hornets are thinking? They're thinking, look at us. We're four and a half point favorites in an NBA game. Everyone thought we were going to be the worst, and now look who's laughing. Look who's like <laughs> against the Warriors of all teams. Like, <laughs> like we're favored over the Warriors. Like that's one of those ones. If you just time. And Michael machine. Jordan's just sitting there. He's like, and people said I do a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> if you just time machine this one, just I mean, time machine this to. Six months ago, forget about two years ago. Six months, like you know, just like before before these. Well, as soon as the Rozier signing happens, that's when you time machine too. (laughs) So anyway, they're four and a half point favorites here. The news and notes are Draymond is probable. He rested last game. Uh, That kind of throws a monkey wrench, I think, because also a guy that we've been interested in playing, but they're just not interested in playing him minutes anymore. Like twenty four minutes a game, even when he starts, this makes it so that this whole team. Uh, just basically, you basically just makes the whole team unplayable as far as I'm concerned. And they're getting Kevon Looney back, and D'Angelo Russell might play. Like I just think the Warriors are just you can cross them off from a DFS perspective. I think for at least for the short term. Yeah, they're but, already pushing it on these prices, and the introduction of anyone of any volume is going to make it pretty tough. But the Hornets are you know like this is the decent total for them. Uh, nice pace up matchup. They have a couple yeah. of interesting guys like Devontae Graham's been just really good. Um, he's playing. Tons of minutes, 37 to 38 minutes when things are going right. Will score. Um, I'm not as interested in Rozier, but any thoughts here on the, on the Hornets, guys? I mean, Graham's just too expensive, right? I mean, 8300 for this guy. Yeah, he's been playing a lot of minutes, but like the last ugh, six games where he's had this rotation, you've been like pleased with his Detroit game where he scored 46 fantasy points. And he's like single-handedly stopped you from cashing in cash games and every single other one. He's right. just too expensive. Like there's just no, really no doubt about it. I, I don't see any scenario where he winds up at least in our FanDuel cash games here. Biombo is still starting. It doesn't always translate to minutes. He started one game and played less minute, fewer minutes than Zeller, and then last game played more than Zeller. I don't think you can really trust that. Um, he's expensive so, now too. I, I don't know if that's yeah, where you want. I, I think so too. I think you just need like Zeller to be definitively out. I think by the way, the Zeller's like definitively out. He's not in this game, but in situations like this where Biombo's still sitting in like that five thousand ish range, I think he's still actually mm-hmm. a fine play from a DFS perspective. But the existence of Zeller makes it so that you really I don't think you can really walk down that road. 7 p.m. game. I'm actually glad that we have well I'm glad this starts early, but I'm actually really wondering your thoughts here on this Phoenix Orlando game. Okay, so Orlando's coming off the back to back. They played last night uh against the Wizards. And which is the weirdest game because the Wizards just play with nobody. But Phoenix is gonna be without Aaron Baines, but they're getting mm-hmm. Czech Diallo back. And so Kaminsky started last game and Sarge uh, was a good play as well. But I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on Diallo. Like, we have seen times where Diallo... Well, Diallo can definitely... The guy just plays 20 minutes. He can get there in these He's places. just a points-per-minute house Yeah, well. like, that's like, what I mean. And, he, and you know, the game where he played 35 minutes off the bench, and the game was out of hand, he was 30.7 FanDuel points. 23 minutes, 29 and a half points. Then he gets hurt, then he sits. But now he's back. Like, is there a situation where, at least on FanDuel, we can just say, hey, let's just, like, stack Diallo and Kaminsky? And we know Diallo. Like, is it, would Diallo rep- okay, this is the question. Does Diallo represent the bench guy that we can be okay with? Ooh. We've got we've gotten buzzed bench on that. Well, 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 guys like Bruno Caboclo don't work out for us sometimes. Like, right? Like, I was like, I knew he was coming off the bench the other night against Memphis, and he played 15 minutes, and now all of a sudden you're in big trouble on that, right? Even at 3,500. Sure. But is Diallo? Like, where does Diallo fit in this range of? I know he's coming off the bench. But I also know they don't have these bigs, and they don't want to play Kaminsky and Sarge huge minutes. So, like, what are your thoughts here on the on the Suns guys? I actually like Sarge. I, I think Sarge has been 
pretty darn good, <laughs> even with Diallo and Kaminsky both healthy. Uh, like the last game they all played together was that Washington game where the Suns put up 132 points and Sarich was essentially the play of the night. We played him on that night. Um, he had four defensive stats too. He's just kind of doing it right now. Uh, I think that game actually is sort of the one I'm looking to game script wise for how this game could play out as well against Orlando. Like it's not quite the same matchup as Washington, but I think you could see like Diallo outplayed Kaminsky in terms of total minutes that week. The three point shot or that game, the three point shot wasn't falling for Kaminsky. Diallo came in and was just nutted. A nut, 7 for 8 from the field, 17 points, 10 boards in 23 minutes. Uh, I think he's just probably the more talented guy overall. And I think Sarge and Kaminsky are sort of redundant as well. Like, in my mind, they're both sort of doing the same thing, where they're sort of bigs who also want to range out. You know, they're stretch guys where Diallo, more of a banger. So I could see Diallo being a good play. I think right now, in the morning as we're looking at this, my ideal sun stack would be Diallo and Sarge. And... I'm also ready to hear some coach speak that's like, no, we'd like Kaminsky at, at 30 minutes a game. But I just don't I don't personally see that shaking out that way. Oh, one other important note on Diallo. I think you mentioned that he was injured. It was actually an illness. And I think that's actually pretty relevant here because a lot of times guys come back at less than full strength. If it's like a hamstring or a knee or something like that, illness usually means like today you're fine and you're just going to go right back to your normal rotation. So uh, no concerns there for me on Diallo either. Yeah, and by the way, I mentioned Diallo. I'll, take, I'll, I'll cut down another game less time here because it, it, it's one of these. Like we talked about bench, like we saw this with Chris Boucher the other day, right? Amari Spellman. We see there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of examples of these bench guys that are points per minute, and you're just sort of speculating on the minutes. And that's like if you think Diallo plays 23 minutes, Fanduel absolute lock for me, 3600, right? If he plays 15 minutes, then you're just wondering how bad he's going to kill you. Luckily, I think his points per minute don't really strike me as a guy that's going to kill you and this will be just an interesting discussion going into lock on the Orlando side we're getting pretty fair prices in a lot of these guys now Fultz had his best game of his career yesterday against Washington that's the team to do it against still not going to play a ton of minutes and we are in the back-to-back here Evan Fournier shot lights out um but we're, we're getting a, a, basically a sense of what the Magic are going to do without Vooch here with the rest of the guys healthy any value to be found here uh, yeah, it gets pretty tough on this side. I mean, Aaron Gordon's a guy that's snuck around from time to time. And like these other guys, Kem Birch, am I going to pay 6000 for Kem Birch, who's been like sort of okay on that price? I don't think so. So, you know, nice big slate. Um, you know, even Fournier, like all these guys are just, their prices are so pushed right now that it's really hard to imagine being excited playing any of them unfortunately and like by the way we played them a lot of these guys in cash last night but that's against the wizards and this is the matchup is so different right the wizards are like the very best dfs matchup you can get yes. like in the last like five years or something like that fastest pace worst defense um this is their just the, the number one opportunity the sun's not a great team uh, at this point, but definitely not the same kind of opportunity there. So I think against a team like the Wizards, you can push the price I, against the Suns. I'm not really totally seeing it. Miami goes in and plays Boston. The new the injury news here is that Marcus Smart is doubtful for this game. Um, I'm not 100% clear who they're going to start. I think we probably see a mix and match of guys like Ojale, uh, Grant Williams, and guys like this. Um, but, you know, Marcus Smart being out of the game, I do want to be a little bit more aggressive on the minutes around the, the, the guys we know about, right? Like Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum would be the three guys that I would say there. Is that enough to be kind of bullish in their projection, or does Miami just really not represent the kind of uh, opportunity we want? Yeah, I think that's more where it comes in. Uh, right now, Boston guys are just not showing up in our optimal lineups. And on these big slates, that's when the matchup really starts to 
be important. I think actually one of the things we've done really well this season is not get too bogged down in the matchup weeds for smaller slates. Like I think sometimes people can get carried away there. Uh, but going up against this Miami team that's boasting, I mean, remarkable, surprising. I don't know what the right adjective is for their defensive efficiency, but they've just been excellent defensively. And uh, that just makes it really, really tough to roster guys from a team that's already sort of properly priced. Yeah, um, I, th- I agree. They're just a very wing-heavy, good defensive team. This is the, that's exactly the, the kind of team that Boston's going to struggle with, who's also just another wing-heavy, <laughs> good defensive team. Well, right, those are the exact guys we would want to consider playing on Boston anyway, so it's, right. it's pretty challenging. Um, and we did see Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn had a lot of ownership last night with Goran Dragic out. Played a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. ran so bad from the field, so probably got a little lucky because we were off him um, on, on FanDuel, but he, and he really ran bad from the field. They, and they even got an overtime game, but it didn't really matter that much. Thoughts on going back to none here, 35 minutes. Got a lot of usage. Just took over more than 15 shots. Just couldn't get it down. The price is still reasonable, but I'm just not sure this is the matchup. Yeah, I could go back to the well on none here. I think, again, a case where the matchup isn't ideal, but if you know you're going to get around a 33-minute rotation out of him, I think the, you know, the better part of the time he's going to pay that price. Uh, this season so far, he's averaging better than that price. Um and, you know, that's not perfect. Obviously, his opportunity has been all over the map. But I actually think when it evens out, uh, it lands around this 33-minute uh, total. And I think he can do it on that price point. You know, early in the season, he was really lighting the world on fire. It hasn't really come to fruition in the same way since, especially with Butler healthy. But I think it's a nice high floor play that I could certainly consider here. All right, before we get to the rest of these games, you got to check out the Vivid Seats app. If you're going to a sporting event concert, uh, what are the other things you can buy tickets for? Theater. There you go. Uh, couldn't think of all the all the different places you can get tickets. You got to use the Vivid Seats app. You put in the promo code Overtime. That's O V E R T I M E. Just like the network we're on, automatically enrolls you into the rewards program. Going to give you up to hundred dollars back on your first ticket purchase. So you're already getting two great deals right out of the gate. And it's the best ticketing app around. You get to see exactly where you're going to plop your butt down uh, from a viewpoint standpoint, just from where the tickets are. It's going to label good deals and bad deals so you kind of know, you get a sense of what the marketplace is. It's super easy to use. If you're buying tickets for anything, got to use the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code overtime, and you're good to go. Maybe you get him. Oh, no, they're playing in Atlanta. I was going to say my Brooklyn Nets face the Hawks tonight. One and a half point home favorites. This game has the third highest total of the net, second highest total of the day. At 222.5, like I said, with Brooklyn, a one and a half point road favorite. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's been just as good as really any, almost any guard in the league. Um, you know, not named guys like James Harden in this superstar category. Price all the way up to 8,700 now, though, but 40 points, 58 points, 35, 42 Fandle points over the last four with Kyrie out. Kyrie is out for. Uh, no one knows when he's coming back. Still chance to go back to Dinwiddie here. They finally, they, they did move his position eligibility from shooting guard over to point guard on FanDuel. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for a little insanity right now. I think you're starting to ask the question at least at 8,700. Um, that's certainly getting close to the top end of what I would like to pay for him. But I think the floor has absolutely been there, right? I mean, outside of a super tough matchup against Boston, I'll rescore 35 fantasy points. He's been pretty much on point to put up 5X on this price. And in the very next game, he scored 63 points against Boston, right? So I think we're, not that he's matchup independent necessarily, but I think that still totally, totally fine. And I think you said this already too, but Atlanta, just a terrible team defensively this year. Uh, 111.1 defensive efficiency ranks fourth, fifth worst in the league. So yeah, I, I think Dinwiddie, it's not perfect. The price is a little north of what I would like to see, but it's not terrible either. 
I don't mind going back to Jared Allen here, the minutes in the Miami-Boston games. I think the plan is to play him something like 33 minutes a game when things are going correct. He's still, for some reason, labeled a power forward on, on FanDuel, which I just was never understand. I just like It's like this thing that just can't change. The guy's never played power forward, even if you've even if you're like anti anti NBA <laughs> positions like I am, um, like I just like generally don't care. Even as as liberal as I am with that, I still just don't have any idea why he's labeled a power forward. But 6,800 on him. If you think he's going to play 33 minutes, then I think you're all good to go. Um, on the Atlanta side, the injury news that we want to keep an eye on here: DeAndre Hunter is doubtful. Reddish is playing, but you mentioned DeAndre Bembry as a chalk play. I think we probably see Bembry as chalk here too, assuming he sticks in the starting lineup. And I don't know why he wouldn't here. Like even like because Hunter was starting, Reddish was coming off the bench. If anything, they just bring Reddish and start him for Hunter, but keep Bembry. Does that make sense? I, like how aggressive do you think sure. we can be on Bembry here? And does he just right with forty seven hundred on Fanduel? Uh, I think he's like the same price on Jazz. Five thousand on DraftKings. You know, mid solid lower middle tier. Do you think mm-hmm. we see chalk on Bembry tonight? Yeah, I think he's a good play, too. I think his true rotation as a starter is between 28 and 34 minutes, depending on the game script. Um, You know, he hasn't been doing it in the scoring in the last couple games, but we know he can score a little bit. And he's just a solid across-the-board contributor. You know, puts in some blocks and steals, uh, can even get an assist or two. So I think he brings a really high floor. And at that $4,700 price tag going against this Nets team, I think it's it's a good play. Uh, He needs to start, though. I'm not... Uh, you you were trying to talk our chatters off a ledge about this when it looked like he was going to be bench chalked the other day. Atlanta is a team that seems really beholden to the idea of you're the starter, so you play X minutes. And if he starts, he's going to play 30 minutes. He's great. If he's off the bench and plays 22 minutes, he could be awful. So I'll be definitely monitoring that closely and pumped that this game is a 7:30 game. So we should know that in advance of tip off. Yeah, I think we'll be good. I, Jabari Parker's a guy our system's going to want to play. The last two games for Atlanta have been huge blowouts. Got crushed by Houston, crushed uh, Golden State. I do think the plan for him is like 33 minutes, and you're going to have to live with the shooting. And so I, he's another one. Like the, the performance is all over the place, and I get why the system likes him at 7,000. I think on FanDuel, I'd probably prefer Jared Allen to Parker, but that's a kind of a closer decision that we'll have to talk about uh, leading into lineup lock. Uh, I thought there was one more guy I was going to... Uh, maybe that's it. Okay. We can uh, we can roll, keep rolling through some of these games. Indiana goes in and plays OKC. Lower total here at 212. Indiana minus one. They're fully healthy now. Uh, that's with Brogdon back, Lamb back, um, and obviously Miles Turner's been back in the lineup. With this team fully healthy, we have saw last game where they did not want to go overly aggressive on the starters' minutes like we've seen them at times do. I was a little weirded out about where to land on something like because it's some we have seen 38 minutes out of Sabonis and 38 minutes out of Malcolm Brogdon at times but I'm just not sure from a mean projection standpoint that's where you can set these guys just because I think I've seen enough examples of Indiana like taking their foot off the gas with the starters is that a fair way to sort of sum up this team yeah I think so I think the we see this too often in DFS where there are teams and I think Sabonis maybe you know sort of the a caricature of this sort of play right now where the prices just rise, the opportunity stays the same, and because guys have been consistent, the price just keeps ticking up. The sites, have you noticed this too? The sites are really reticent to just leave guys the same price. Like the yeah. price is almost always either rising or falling, and if you're just kind of trotting out there and playing your typical minutes, then the price keeps ticking up, uh, sometimes to an absurd degree. And I think right now, that's certainly where I see these these Indiana guys. Right now, none of them 
are showing up anywhere near our cash games, and I expect that that won't change going into tip-off tonight. And by the way, when they're all healthy, they, everyone just gets a little dinged, right? Like the like the Sabonis' rebounds exactly. go down a little bit with Miles Turner there and his usage too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that Malcolm Brogdon is back, you know, after a five-game absence, exactly. a lot of those guys that depend on assists and whatever are, are down too, right? Exactly. So you're just not – and then you get OKC that's basically just played the same lineup the entire season here, like right? Like it's been Paul playing mm-hmm. his 32 to 33 minutes and his SGA and it's Gallo and Adams is one guy that's kind of – moved in and out of the lineup but and then you get Terrence Ferguson who just doesn't do a single thing on the basketball court from a fantasy perspective so at that point I just I mean could we just kind of set like Thunder feel like a small slate or injury team and that's kind of it for me that sounds right okay eight o'clock uh, Memphis goes in and plays Chicago we mentioned bench possible bench talk D'Anthony Melton has now look John Morant is week to week with the injury and so that's basically saying we're tanking and he's kind of hurt and whatever and he's gonna maybe this week he'll play maybe this week he won't uh, Tyus Jones is starting, but the last two games, they brought Melton in off the bench for 22 and 24 minutes, and he's looked great. He was a guy that we played on DraftKings, actually, in cash. Now, again, this is the old mention, the smaller slate, but playing bench guys who I was very confident in their opportunity. Melton was an example of this and paid off in a big way. Was not playing at all before this, but I do, do, do uh, for these last two games, enough for you to see the... He's kind of like he's like Dejounte Murray light or something like that. Like he's like he gets like Russell Westbrook light. That's what I mean. Like twenty four. <laughs> I was just basis, I was mostly like, just doing like I was mostly just doing the minutes. I, like yeah, but no. Like do you feel he's forty four hundred on Fanduel and the price came up a little bit on DraftKings? Yeah, he's not as he's not as cheap on DraftKings, but forty four hundred on Fanduel would this be another example of like possible bench chalk at forty six hundred on DraftKings? Bench chalk that you could feel okay about in this situation. I could think about it. I think you could certainly see it go the other way, right? Like, you know, many players who play could play 22 to 24 minutes in a game and not score 30-plus fantasy points a game. Yeah. Like, even some of the best players would have a hard time doing that. You know, maybe not the best players, but, like, this is, like, the sort of points per minute production you see out of, who's a guy like, like Trey Young or something, right? And I don't think Melton is quite on that level. He doesn't need to be either. That's, like, kind of the tricky thing, even if he's – a one fantasy point a minute guy on 22 to 24 minutes, you could see him pay these prices. I think I could live with it on FanDuel. I don't think I would want to be on an island there. You know, I talk about not overusing the idea of chalk, but I think if I knew he was going to be a 3% start, I would just say, why bother? Like, I don't think I'm getting away with murder, but I think if he's going to be like 30 to 50% or more, I think then you can, you could talk me into it because with the opening at point guard with Morant being out, I think the minutes are relatively secure, and for Christ's sake, this production sure looks pretty secure too. So um, I'm hedging a little bit too much here. I guess I'll say it's a it's a play I could do, but I'm not as excited about as probably a lot of our chatters will be. Yeah, I think the floor is still pretty high. I think they want to play him. I think he probably just does enough. I don't think he kills you on this price. Uh, I will say. Do you think he has to be there? That's a better question. Does not have to be we there. We agree that it's not a perfect play, but do you think that with all the other factors that he really ought to be in our cash games here? It's not so much that he ought to be. I just think that I think I can, on a night where I do think I'm going to want to make some pay-ups, I think that there's going to be some guys okay. here that I'm going to want to go like upper middle tier and higher middle, higher tier plays. He represents a high floor play that allows me to get those other guys. Like, I don't think I'd want to... Compare him to, Ch- to Chuck Diallo for me real quick. Like, I want to kind of play both. Which, <laughs> I, but, okay. I, I don't want to... But what if you can't? I just want to. I want to have a sense for you on how much you like this play because I'd rather play Diallo. It seem I, like I think a crazy I'd rather play, but I don't. I'd probably, I'd probably rather play Diallo. And okay. I think I'm that there's like some world 
where they just are, they start they continue to tick Melton's minutes up, and he like plays twenty seven tonight because they're like ah Tyus Jones we don't really have this isn't what we thought we were getting, but Melton's like really is what we thought we were getting. You know what I mean in that trade? So I don't know, it's close. I I probably I also will say from a projection standpoint from our system. We are really we have all the minutes correct and opportunity correct, and we're still like really low on Memphis's total. So I feel like this projection is only going to come up across the board for this whole team. I look, you're going to get guys like Jaron Jackson, who's a foul per minute foul box, and then you get Dylan, Dylan Brooks, who they don't want to play more than 32 minutes, and then you get Crowder and Hill. So I think it's not going to just come up in like terms of one guy. But this is a team that um, our system is struggling a little bit with what to do without without John, like where the scoring is coming from. Even though relative to Vegas, uh, they do see them at least putting up points, a 106 point total on um, the Chicago side. It's a good matchup uh, against Memphis. Chris Dunn's been starting, hasn't been doing anything with it, so it's not really uh, mm-hmm. doesn't really hasn't really meant anything. Our system still always wants to play this guy because like the blocks and steals are kind of there, and every time the assists. But I'm just like not totally seeing it when he shares a court. The more he shares a court with guys like Levine, and to a lesser degree, uh, Markin and I, I Dunn, even the, though the minutes might be there, I, I this is where I want to look at our system and be like, I, why are we so high on this guy? Yeah, I'm not enamored with the Dunn play, honestly. I think. You know, you'd be tempted to call him a high floor based on the minutes recently, but if you compare him to other guys in a similar price point here, you know, and it's not the same position, but someone like Bembry coming out of the starting lineup or even Melton off the bench, I just think you're not getting the same upside unquestionably, right? Um, You know, things basically have to go absolutely perfect for him to realize any sort of upside at all. Doesn't rebound the ball particularly well, not great passer, um, and not a great score either. So I think really from top to bottom, the... The upside really isn't there. And on a big slate, like if if we were choosing between him and someone like Melton, let's say, I just as soon take Melton. I think the floor is the same and, and the ceiling is much higher. People can talk themselves into Zach Levine. I just will warn you that he needs the score for him to hit value at 8,500. Like, I'd be actually put the ball in the basket. Jeez, 8,500. We played him at 7,500 or 7,100 the last time we played. I know. Well, he scored. He's been good in the short term. And, like, but his yeah. all so much of his fantasy scoring is wrapped up in actual scoring. And that's just such a high variance way to approach lineups yeah. that on a big slate, uh, it's going to be hard for me to talk myself into that, I think. Minnesota goes to the Dallas. Dallas is on the back-to-back here. They were able to save a lot of starters' minutes yesterday because they were uh, they were just blowing them out. So, uh, but Luca was absolutely destroyed. I can't uh, like even the, believe this the, guy. The Pelicans. He was a guy that we, for some reason, he was only fifty percent on cash. We had him everywhere, and well, he was like eighty percent on DraftKings, but he was fifty percent on FanDuel, and he got there in three quarters. He was. And then, and then the second unit just did us dirty because they, he just could, he lost like seven minutes uh, on the production. He was absolutely headed to them. He was just headed to the absolute. When your point guard gets eighteen rebounds in twenty eight minutes. Oh my god, he was just he murdered the Pelicans just ritualistically. So he's one of these guys that I was sort of talking about, like where the concessions I'm willing to make on the lower tier are because Doncic to me feels like the floor is so high on him right now that even at twelve five, I get that's so expensive, but. It's just so difficult, especially in a good matchup here against Minnesota with a really high total. 231.5 is the second, is the highest total game on the slate. Like, this just feels like, even in a way that Giannis doesn't feel safe because I'm so worried about the minutes kind of falling off for him, I'm just not even worried about that with, with Dante. So he's the kind of guy where I'm like, hey, if I have to live with the Anthony Meltons and check the Owls of the world, that's fine mm-hmm. because Dante just has such a high floor. Yeah, I'm ready. And by the way, how just good is the NBA right now? I mean, the you, fact the that the ratings wouldn't tell you, you that it's the not the ratings are, from all over the world. The rating, and, the ratings are down across the board. It's so weird. I've got a lot of theories about. Let that, them be but, down. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me what the ratings are. I just want to point out if you're just a, a, an appreciator of athletic prowess, there's nowhere better to look than the NBA. Like 
the NFL, everyone's injured. Um, if they're ruining their lives with concussions, like whatever else. The NBA, you just get these guys like Luca coming overseas, 20 years old. The pace of the game is great. I don't know. The NBA is so good. I, I don't. I won't listen to any criticisms about it and take it seriously. If you're just a fan of sport, I think the case for any other sport is, is probably just based in nostalgia and bias, in my opinion. But, uh, yes, I, you asked about Luca. I love Luca tonight. Great payoff option. Yeah, so that's that's that was kind of like what I was getting at with him. It's like, okay, well, the floor, like, is he gonna is is he gonna always hit five x on twelve five? Of course not. Is the chance of him like just keeping his floor so high worth of you know maybe taking a little bit of risk other places even on a big slate? I think absolutely. So, um, guys. Porzingis was a guy people played last night. Got into foul trouble. Was a block machine. I'm not going to get into my rant about why how blocks and steals are just still stupidly priced on FanDuel, but whatever. Totally um, agree. Yeah. And he was, uh, <laughs> but he was, um, he was a block machine. We got into foul trouble, but saved his minutes. I think the plan for him is to play 34 or 35 minutes a game. Um, but it's just there's been some weirdness around why he hasn't. I don't mind him as a play. I actually don't mind Towns as a play. I just like this whole game. In, I like this whole game in general. But I think of all the guys, Luca is the priority. Two more games yeah. here. Lakers go in and play Utah. The news here is that Mike Conley has already been ruled out for this game. Now, you, Lakers are and the Lakers are on a back-to-back. I think that Moutier is going to start here, though when Conley played fewer minutes last game, they didn't even run the traditional point guard thing like they played Donovan Mitchell point guard and played Joe Ingles yeah, a lot of minutes. And so this is where I'm a little bit like, it's such a late game too. I I want to I, again. I think Moutier plays, and he's the he's another one. He's or excuse me, starts thirty five hundred on Fanduel. So, but if we didn't have news on Moutier, so this is get another example of like you know where does Moutier rank for you as a, compared to D'Anthony Melton? Let's say if we don't have news, if he's starting, I think we're fine. But there's a chance that he doesn't because they just start Ingles, right? Like, and it's the super late games, three hours after, uh, it's two hours after lock. What are your thoughts here on what we do here, or do we just say? screw the speculation, let's just play Donovan Mitchell everywhere, except the Lakers are also a really tough matchup. Give me your quick thoughts on this game. I think you're crazy to play Moutier if you don't have news that he's starting. Um, you know, yeah, he was getting 15 minutes a game earlier this season. It was four last game against Philly when Conley only played 23. Yeah. But if Conley were to be out and Moutier were to be starting, I don't think it would shake out that way. Like, I don't think they would stick him out there for seven minutes and then just let Mitchell run the point the rest of the time. I think your concern is valid that Mitchell could just wind up running the point here. He's certainly got the skill set to do that. But still, even if Moutier is a shooting guard at 3,500, who's going to play 25 minutes, that's still plenty to me. And I would much rather take him out of the starting lineup than Melton off the bench. So my my priority list right now would be no news at all. I'll take Melton. If Moutier is starting, I'll play him. Moutier is not starting. I would take Melton as well. Um I think your point about the Lakers matchup is a good one. One thing I'm curious to see as the season shakes out here, I get that we're a quarter of the way through the season right now, but the Lakers still have had an outrageously good schedule, right? Like, I think this is something that's not explored enough when people want to look at these defense versus position and overall defensive stats. For whatever reason, the league started the Lakers out with a pretty cush schedule to start the season, and none of these stats that, you know, we're looking at are adjusted for strength of schedule. I think, you know, many of them are just sort of assuming that um, just assuming that you've played a league average schedule, but the Lakers really haven't. So uh, against some of these tougher teams, you know, we saw Dallas drop 114 on them just a few games ago, right? So uh, going up against the good teams, it's not going to be the same as just getting game after game against like Chicago and this Golden State B team and multiple OKC and New Orleans games like Washington. Um, I think I think there is a, a reckoning coming with the Lakers. I don't think they're going to wind up being 
the top overall defensive efficiency team when the when the season's over here. Yeah, I mean they still have a they do have a little. I guess like Toronto's not too far behind them, but yeah, no, I, I generally agree. And I mean, what, they're not going to drop the middle of the pack, right? Like they're, they're still no, probably gonna, not. And I don't think you need to play Utah guys here. This is more of a consideration for future matchups. Um, or if we like loved Donovan Mitchell, I wouldn't shy away based on the matchup. I guess is what I'm saying. I guess yeah, this would be another interesting one to see where people land. I see some people speculating that Jeff Green starts here tonight, so um, I think there's probably. If we don't have news, there's I agree that there's just going to be too much speculation around a guy like Moody or I mean even Dante Exum is still on the is still on the, the squad here. But um, I think what you can do is just be very aggressive on guys like Donovan Mitchell, um, and then the rest of the team sort of just take a wait and see approach. If Conley is going to miss time, final game ten o'clock. Sacramento goes in and plays Portland. Carmelo Anthony, NBA Player of the Week for some reason. I mean, there was like two, uh, James Harden scored sixty points in a game, um, but that wasn't good yeah, enough. Like yeah, Car- yeah, yeah. Carmelo Anthony, who just like I get, I get that it was just kind of like giving him the, the sort of like the you know when like a, an old actor wins an Academy Award, it's not his best role, but it's like ah, the guy was in like fifty good movies and we just never gave it to him. So I feel like that was sort of the <laughs> NBA Player of the Week thing here with Carmelo. But what are your thoughts here? Finally, or just like, final thoughts on what Carmelo does to guys like Lillard and McCollum's projections. Um, just kind of just being on the team and just taking more shots and just sort of just being around. Like we've dinged each of these guys, and I'm just not sure we've done it enough now that they have somewhat of a volume per minute scorer in their squad. Yeah, I don't think they're really playable or exciting options right now. Uh, Lillard and McCollum have never really had to deal with another volume shooter on their team, as best I can recall, right? I mean, it's been always this sea of, you know, Rodney Hood, Harkless-esque small forwards that sometimes can do it but are happy to take a back seat. And there's a mishmash of terrible centers and you know, power forwards as well. You know, guys that, you know, not terrible players, but guys like Alfred Camino who just haven't needed right. the ball in their hands. And uh, we've seen with Mello that he does. And Lillard and McCollum, they're still priced like Mello's not on the team, uh, almost identical prices to where they started the season. And that's just incorrect. So I don't think you can play them until the price drops down. Like, but right now they're basically only playable in the absolute maybe best matchups or if there's an injury. And outside of that, I'm, I'm not interested here. Yeah, and I think I, 6,000, I think people want to probably talk themselves into Mello at 6,000. I'm not really willing to do it. There's nah. too many There's too many cooks in the kitchen at this point. It's good. It's good. I mean, good for the Portland. This is working out. So kudos to them for taking the risk and dealing with the circus. And I guess they're probably getting a little bailed out that Mello's been way better than anyone thought, <laughs> thought he could be. Um, I mean, not bailed out, but like, there's a reason this guy sat on the scrap heap for a year, basically, right? Like, um, it wasn't just because everyone was making a mistake. It was just because see, people saw something. But he's played well. It was not like a Colin Kaepernick situation, you don't think? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It wasn't. Yeah, well, he wasn't getting – well, he's like, I think he probably was in some ways getting weirdly blackballed. Like, there's probably no reason, like, Iman Shumper to the world should be getting signed over Carmelo if the price is all the same. But at the same time, um, I think this is still – that can be true. And this is like – there's no one ever would have expected this guy's just going to come in and just be like a mid-range all-star again and just dropping like, you know. Big- yeah, I, th- well, I think we also need to potentially slow down on Melo saving the Blazers. I mean, they're three and one in their last four. Those three wins came against Chicago twice and Oklahoma City. Oh, no, I'm so not saying he's – I'm not saying They're just like, going up and banging bodies with the Rockets and Lakers no, and Clippers. No, no, no. Like, he didn't vault them they're into – They are just winning games. They should win, so congrats. He didn't vault them into like, you know – title contention i'm just saying that he came in and was just good uh, like that's all that's all i mean um yeah that was, and that was remarkable I'll, I'll give him that okay we're gonna get out of here daily fantasy sports rankings.com is the site dfs uh, dfsr.com for short dfsr.com slash deals get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at lineup lab optimal lineups for nba but it's also going to include nfl and nhl all under one subscription package good luck finding that among the uh sea of although well, no, there's a sort of diminishing group we're one of the 
we're one of the people that stood the test of time in the DFS landscape. Proud of what we've done here. There's some big boys left and us kind of still just grinding away on projections. And it's because we offer a really good product for a really good price. So DFSR.com slash deals will get you started a free seven day trial so you can take it risk free. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday and hoops. We'll do.